I do like that. I'm pretty sure, Matt, you're wearing your second best shirt. Uh, I wore this to work today, so it's my best shirt. <laughs> it's my only shirt. <laughs> Welcome to Muttering Pines, the show where we fumble our way through the outdoors and try and do stuff with our hands. I've been at home so long without having to show anybody my pants that my most of my jeans have just holes in them. Like, in the ass. It looks like I farted holes into my pants. Because... Well, because I do, because I'm 44 years old, and that's that's how that works now. Yeah, um, I uh, my pants were so loose today from not washing them and going grubby that I wore them to work, and I wanted to change them into my pajama pants when I got home. But I figured I should probably wear pants for this meeting. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did I, wear uh, pants. Yeah, I did not holes. want my heater to kick on during this, and. So I tried a preemptive strike, and it's currently 27 degrees in here. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not wearing any pants at all. Like, I am. I am. It's if I stand up, it's going to be. Uh, we're going to have to stream this somewhere where people pay for stuff like toilet cams and stuff like that. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Well, cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh Scott. Scott, you're going to cheers me with your phone. All right. Yeah. Oh, well, oh. we're off to a good start. I should just, should we just right. end it? I'll be right back. Yeah. Right. Bye. Are you, you are you kidding me? You're leaving? Yeah. We just started and you're leaving. He just left to the tiniest door in the world. <laughs> it was like watching a, <laughs> watching a mouse leave. It's awful. <laughs> God, I hope he comes back with like crackers or cheese or something. Oh, yeah. Extra loud bag of chips. Guaranteed he can also still hear us. Mm, yeah, with his... I suppose he does have headphones. Yeah, That's awkward. I don't take anything back, but it's awkward. I agree. You know I what's crazy the is the range on Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I figured. Uh, was, so, okay. okay. We're doing this again. Blue Buck, appropriate. Blue Buck. What are you drinking, Matt? Uh, I'm drinking... Some Sleeman's Honey Brown. Oh, that's a good one. And I'm drinking your classic Dirt Boy beer, Pilsner. Pilsner, I have a Pilsner coaster at work, and that is how I know which chair is mine, because all chairs at work are like this. They're the same. So I stuffed a Pilsner coaster in mine so I, right. so I can always get my chair. So I don't you have to sit in that chair. fucking chair. Yeah, I'm blowing holes in my jeans over here. It also smells like ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, cool. This is it. We're doing it. We're starting a thing. We're going to see if it works. I'm surprised. I'm, I, I'm excited to see the zero people that listen to this and or watch it. Um, yeah. That is going to be like just watching that ticker sit at zero is going to be like watching my stocks always never go green. No, the I only assume. benefit is no, your stocks go negative. This you can't go less than zero on YouTube. That's true. Already, this is a better. This is way better. <laughs> this, YouTube pays better than life. Yeah. Um, so today, let's do some land management purchasing stuff uh, because I think, as you put it, Scott, it's a very topical topic at the moment. Mm. Um, and I want does that like topical? Yeah, like, is this it, 
Is this something well, it, we put on a sore, like an open wound or a rash? I thought it was, uh, I thought it was topical and I thought it was interesting that we all have a different point of a view on it right now where you yourself currently are a property owner and I'm trying to be one at the moment. And Matt is in a family of property owners. And so we have these three different views on it right now and how weird it is to, to try to buy property just generally, or try to be an owner of property is kind of a strange endeavor, especially if you've never done it before. Yeah. And here, I want to start off with this. This is something I find kind of very interesting, especially after like COVID all these people like the mass exodus um, out of the city, people are like, Oh, I want to go. I can work anywhere now. So I want to go off grid. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to buy a little piece of land. I'm going to make my A-frame. I'm going to work from there. Um, I'm going to live yeah. off grid. People are going to travel around in campers all the time. They say. Yeah. And, but like, what I don't think people understand about living off grid, like if you're going to live off grid, like it's a full-time job staying alive. Not, not off grid as in I live on a piece of land with Wi-Fi, internet, uh, <laughs> power, yeah. sewer, water in a house with a road and running water. So yeah. living far away from the city is not being off the grid. That's not, not like the same place, thing. Not like the place Scott's buying right now where it has a furnace and a hot water tank. Yeah, it and, doesn't have a hot water tank. It well, has on, sorry, a tankless water heater. It know, already has better house. hot water than my fucking home does. So it's goofy. But it has no electricity other than right, it has a, a gap. has a generator. Yeah. Yeah. So did you did you buy it yet? Is it gone through? No, we're just waiting on financing to clear right now. That's the weird part is how do you how do you buy this piece of property? It's not it's not a, like you, you don't go get a mortgage for it. It's not a house. And it's not like the land it's not, it's not some lot in some municipality. It's a piece of agricultural land. So the whole purchase process for it is different. And what my, my wife and I found out almost immediately is that in the city, no banks have any idea how to purchase a piece of land that is outside of the city limits. It's a complete mystery to the frontline banking staff in a city like Calgary, which I thought was just hilarious. Yeah. And for context to the empty vastness of nobody listening, um, myself, we have uh, 160 acres a few hours north of the city and a lot, uh, not a lot, a, uh, another exactly. quarter section. Exactly. It's not a lot, is it? It's not a lot, a quarter section. Another quarter section directly adjacent to ours came up for sale. And that is what Scott and his family are looking at purchasing. Um, because for some reason they think being neighbors with us is going to be a good idea, but like yeah. of all the places in the world you could have bought, you had to buy literally something connected to him. It's, it's Do actually you- connected to him by water. I'm on the same water line as, as he is. And, and I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm, and I'm downstream from him, which is probably that not- I'm not sure. He, I think it flows. You, you should be upstream. Oh, thank God. No parallel. So it fork. he's on the fork, the river river <laughs> the the same the, the same urinal track that goes through crack prairie. in the crack in the prairie that yeah. sometimes has moisture in it yes it it forks and he's on the westernmost fork and we're on the easternmost fork so is there a way you can float a canoe down to his place 
Yeah, yeah. Apparently, in the late spring and early summer, there's enough water in there to tube down. Okay. Have you thought of filling it up with explosives and floating it down to his place by now? Yeah, of course I have. Uh, I mean, it was that would be great because of, the first yeah. thing you're going to hit is a beaver dam, and we need to get rid of some of it. <laughs> I guess that'll be episode, episode number two. <laughs> get rid of a beaver dam. So, so you want to get rid of a beaver dam? That it doesn't um, happen to be on your property. You fill a canoe full of explosives and send it downstream. I feel like the alternate title of that episode might be, so you want to lose both your hands. Ah, yeah. It cut off my leg! <laughs> um, going back to what I was saying, though, with people who want to go homestead or off, like actual off-grid, like I don't think people understand how much effort it is and what's required. Like, So our place runs on on nothing hopes but it has um uh, a wood burning stove is it's like that's how you keep it warm there's no you know you can plug in some electric heaters or whatever but unless you're spending a large portion of your income on cords of wood to be delivered to you you have to cut firewood and in the winter and not even the winter like the fall and like it is now spring like if you cut a, a massive round stump, so I don't know, 18 inch diameter stump. Big as that dartboard behind you. Yeah. And then maybe whatever, a foot, 18 inches long, that won't get you through the night. Because you you're gonna start your fire at dinner, and then we have to get up. We I have to get up at some point. Uh, at many points because I have an old man bladder. So one of my jobs after going outside and peeing is getting the fire going again. And that could be anywhere from uh, like two in the morning to four in the morning. And then you got to keep it going until, well, if it's winter all day or if it's spring, like it is now, we can last weekend, we let it die around nine and then it was good for the good for the day and then i started it up again at like six seven for when the kids were going to bed or whatever so when there's were, 12 were hours of burning is not a, a little bit of wood you me wilder and walter out there was that october or november was it october yeah i got up twice in the night to put wood in the stove that night yeah and that wasn't that was pretty nice you and i sat out that night until about eleven thirty in jackets by a campfire watching starlight yeah and still it was too cold to sleep yeah so my point is you're working your ass off just to stay warm not to mention there's other stuff like water and all that kind of shit and god help you if you want to grow food how long did it take you to cut wood for a 12-hour burn in the the last time you're out where it was cool it depends. Like I was lucky enough that our neighbor down the road uh, had a bunch of, of rounds that he was getting rid of. So I got a whole truckload of them. So it's just splitting wood. But if you have to go chainsaw, like fall a tree, cure it because you can't burn it unless it's standing dead. Oh, and even then, that <laughs> as even then, but then you got to buck it up. So you got to buck it up and then you have to split it. And then you have to split kindling because you can't just start a fire with logs. And, and I think the thing that I didn't even know when we started on a, a wood stove was that 
you know, if you're having a fire in a fire pit, you just throw whatever, like, I'm going to throw this beer box in there. Like Scott, you even said at one point, you're like, oh, I was going to throw these paper plates in the wood burning stove. And I was like, no, because fire and card or fire, paper and cardboard create creosote buildup inside the chimney, which increases your chance of chimney fire. So you need to start all your stove fires with blazing hot, clean. We're going to have to pee in five minutes here. Uh, blazing hot. Um, for the zero <laughs> listeners, we haven't paid for Zoom. So we're our pee breaks are basically us restarting our calls. But they will be. Until more of you we, listen, we can't afford Zoom. We shouldn't start this show with lies, people. We are, are that sponsors. We, when we go to pee, we are not peeing. And we are old men. We pee constantly. We'll pee yeah. three or four times. You won't even notice. We'll do I'm it on the right now. Yeah. Um going to switch beers. He's clearly peed. Yeah, there you go. See? You've got to be careful about what you put in the fire. So you can't just like throw stuff in there like a shitload of paper and cardboard to get it started. So you got to have kindling and you got to have the proper wood because if you don't have a clean fire, then you're either cleaning cleaning your chimney a lot or uh, you're at a serious risk of chimney fire, which if you're in the How often do you wood, have to clean a chimney? God if you're you. If you're a responsible stove operator, how often should you be cleaning your chimney? Every time, just before you have a, a chimney fire. <laughs> that's, if that's you had the a truth. chimney fire, you should have done it last week. Yeah. yeah. So prove me wrong. T- that's true. T minus chimney fire is the answer. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so there you go, folks. I don't know. To answer your question, so, like I, I spent two hours bucking up already cut logs. Or like rounds, stumps, and you and that did you buck did you buck up that whole load? No, no, I'm not so done. You, you bucked up enough for twelve hours. I bucked up. Yeah, I had a full truckload, tailgate down of stumps and some on top, and hey, can, I got can, uh, halfway through. Can we do the math on this? So, for twelve hour burn, yeah, how many hours can. of work? He said two hours. Oh no, that was more than twelve. Like that got us through the weekend. And now I need okay. to start cutting some more. So that's so you got four, 48 hours for how many hours of work? Mm, no, we were out there three nights. So you didn't burn continuously though, right? So no, you got three nights. So yeah, uh, 36 so hours. 36 hours. Yeah. So for every 12, you're cutting for one, cutting for a little bit. Yeah, 45 minutes. So two hours a day. Of chopping, but you got to source this wood too. Unless, like I said, you're yeah. paying for it. But what well, I mean, nobody, nobody spends two hours a day trying to figure out how to heat their house right now. No, one no. Does. And every time, like <laughs> last you time, can't I find wife, two hours to take kids anywhere right now. I don't know. So the people thinking that they can just go, you know, drink their in espresso lattes in front of their big A-frame windows, watching the snowfall. Uh, well, mommy blogging. Um, well, those people have a massive propane tank and they're heated with natural gas or propane. That, yeah, and that's it. Like, if you really want a fire home, for heat, if you really want a homestead, you can't have a job because being al- staying alive is your job, I guess is my point. So, so if you want to have the fire burning for a day, you're chopping wood for an hour. So you're going to have an eight yeah. hour job, you're going to commute for an hour a day assuming you're commuting because you have to pay for all this at somehow at least an hour a day 
and you're out in the butt fuck nowhere. So probably more. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's like 10 hours of your day spent going to work, driving, chopping wood, just so you can come home and sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, that you I have a friend who, who likes to talk about this, the, the amount of time people spend going to get water before, like just even 120 years ago in Canada, like getting water was a major portion of people's day, a major portion. <laughs> it's like the, the, you know, the heating of a home is exactly the same story. It's a tremendous amount of work without any utility. Yeah. yeah. And then compound that water thing in the winter, when you have to go down to a Creek, chop the hole open, <laughs> yeah. somehow scoop the water into a bucket and carry it back. No, thanks. But luckily nowadays we have stuff like wells, which if you buy rural property, um, you're going to need a well because I don't know of anywhere shy of like the mountains here where I would drink the water no. uh, from a, even if I, like a running sort like a, a stream or whatnot. Especially or, downstream of Scott's new place. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> all, all your watershed is now contaminated. Yeah. That's, that's like, sure. I think anyone, like if you're drinking that water downstream of Scott's place, that whole area is going to be renamed to like dysentery hills. Yeah. They're going to start filming the last of us there, but they're not going to have to do any set dressing. It's just going to no. look like mushroom people everywhere. It's like beaver fever, but Scott fever, but I'm, but I'm the beaver King fever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. King fever. Um, before we uh, take a quick break, uh, we never introduced ourselves, which is probably the best thing best start Mm, i don't know i don't think really anybody cares because zero people don't care well let's do it anyway for the for the for the zero person uh i am darren northcott i'm scott i am and and i'm interrupting (laughs) (laughs) i am matt lucas all right p break scott uh i want to go back to what you said about purchasing and like financing um because i feel like yeah. maybe jumped into it a bit so if i want to be a rural landowner i'm interested in your th- sort of current experience with the financing of a agricultural or rural property cole's notes because yeah. i don't want to hear your voice too much but you know yeah it's, that's not the boring part it's your voice yeah it's not yeah it's uh, not what you're saying it's just oh God, where it's coming guys. from Oh, I hate, hate you both so much. Oh, you're such assholes. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's weird because, I mean, most of, the, most of the connections that my wife and I have for, like, for, for doing stuff like buying property or whatever are, are with our, our bank here in the city. Yeah, it's 26 degrees in there because you, you don't have to burn firewood because... I'm going to be so skinny at the end. <laughs> Anyway, so the, the bank that we, the banks that we, we have to go to for this are in the city. They're where our mortgages are, right? That's who we're going to go to, but they don't, they're not equipped anywhere to, to figure out how to purchase an agricultural property, which means you either have to go through farm credit or be able to purchase it with other, some other sort of personal financing. So that really leaves two options for somebody like me. uh, I can either do it through a line of credit, like a home equity line of credit 
or I can do it through farm credit. I can go try to get approved to do that. So in an agricultural property, like the one that I'd like to buy, to use as a recreational property, purchased through farm credit, which would require a business plan, would mean that I'd have to create a business plan that shows I'm the world's worst cattle rustler because it's not there to turn a profit. It's there to drive quads around on and, you know, have campfires and hang out with you guys. So, so that part of it, it, it makes it complicated to purchase a piece of property that you're not planning on developing a whole house on. Quick tidbit on that. When you said uh, it's agricultural land versus recreational, um, and Matt, I think you first enlightened me on this, but the minute the status or the county feels the status of your land has changed from agricultural to recreational. Uh, your taxes it, are tenfold. Yeah, it goes, your taxes go through the roof. So, so agricultural land will have something like a, a $30 a year uh, tax status. As soon as you decide to do something with it, it's not pure farming. And then it becomes recreational. And then the county will charge you something like a thousand dollars. And then if you just turn that into a residential where it's not no longer either, it's now you're going to pay six or some thousand dollars for the value of that residential land. Like our, yeah. Like ours has a cabin, like a structure or a dwelling. They don't even care if it's a house, it's a dwelling. Um, But we have a hay field, which gets hayed every year. And that maintains it even with the dwelling and, and taxes are based on structures and stuff like that. Like if we added more and more and more, our taxes go up more and more and more. Cause every year they ask you, Hey, did you add to the property? Yeah. I added a, another cabin. Okay. Right. And they tax you a little bit more, but the minute you're not farming it or, or leasing it out for cattle. Yeah. Or have not, a power line lease on it. Like I do. Right. But that doesn't attribute it. To agricultural land. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. No. So, no. so no. I have to have cows on. It's no different than the pipeline that cuts through the corner, or the gas line that goes under the corner. It doesn't attribute it to any type of land status. Um, mm. What does is is the use of it. So, if you put cattle on it, then you can maintain your agricultural status forever. Right. But the minute you don't do agriculture stuff, then it becomes recreational, and your taxes go up. So I'm incentivized to keep it agricultural, which is fine by me. I want the cows on it. There's crown land behind it. Good. The guy down the road from us is a very nice man, and he needs the cow land. Happily. You can have all the room. Cow, cow land, eh? That's, cow land. That's the it's, professional. Uh, it's, it's the new uh, homeowner's term. You know, Matt, when you've been doing this as long as I have, you get to know <laughs> so the what lingo. Are, what are we yeah, supposed to say, land. Matt? Well, cow. we passed Pasture, pasture. But, right. it is pasture. but no, cowland. That's the, that's the proper term now. Cowland. Don't question me. <laughs> I didn't. I stated <laughs> it's an awesome term. So, in terms of purchasing it, then Scott, so you got two options. Yeah, city guys don't know their ass from a tea kettle. No, as soon as we talk to somebody from CIR, it's going to sound like we're sponsored by them or something. But as soon as as soon as we talk to somebody from CIR that was in the area where that property was, it was like a a completely different story. It like, they knew exactly what to do. They had processes for it. They had questions for us that we hadn't been asked yet. Like they knew what they were doing right away. You know, if I didn't know you guys and I didn't have at least a little bit of knowledge about this kind of thing, I'd have been screwed. There would have been no way I could have figured out how to purchase this. 
you can't get a mortgage on your property because it doesn't have a full-time dwelling. Is that how that yeah. works? Or it's not not zoned residential. It doesn't have a full-time dwelling. Yeah, so you can get a no farm mortgage. mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I don't think people realize if you're getting an agricultural mortgage is uh, unlike purchasing a residential home, at least here in Canada or Alberta, when you uh, like, what is it? You can put five or 10% down for agricultural land. You are looking at depending on the land itself, 25 to 50% down before well, that's the good thing. Look land is super cheap and coming up with that kind of down payments. Awesome. Yeah. For the majority uh, of people. Yeah. I, I think we also forgot that the true way that most people get money is crime. So just pure yeah. theft. Yeah. So you want to do crime. Yeah. You want to own a rural property and become a land baron. First, you have to become a crime lord or just a, a slime ball and steal everything. And I imagine like uh, if we ever get listeners. No. Which we won't. Which we won't. I'm good with it. The ones outside of Canada, we we don't really know much about it. But my understanding, at least of the majority of estates, is that if you want land, you just go take it from someone less privileged and probably less white than you. And that's <laughs> that's my understanding oh. of how inner America works. Jesus age Christ, I have to fly there next week. No, no. you don't have to anymore. Because <laughs> that's my understanding of america is just uh take it from people less fortunate than you yeah i don't think we're innocent in that one either no but at least we're saying sorry now (laughs) and always that's our that's our gig um so okay let's assume you figure out your financing and you've purchased your land i think at least for us when we got it there's all sorts of things that you start realizing that need to happen. And um, I have a question for you, Matt, because you help maintain a, uh, a 20 acre farm mm-hmm. and you have a bunch of, I don't even think they're trails. They're almost roads. Uh, yeah. Going. It's a pretty sweet selection of, of they're six foot wide trails that were cut through years and years ago. And they're maintained by lawnmowers. Okay, that so, was my, thanks for your, I don't even get to ask the fucking question. So, okay, here you want to back that up here. Yeah, cut this. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> Matthew, how do you uh, maintain these uh, gorgeous trails on this farm that you you help? Oh with? well, we use this new fandangle device called a lawnmower. Oh, and uh it it's got a whirly bird thing on the bottom that spins around and the grass just doesn't like coming near it so it goes away now is whirly bird is that like an official term like cowland <laughs> yeah my uh my sit upon whirly bird machine we, we understand how things work yeah yeah super smart no um, you uh both you guys outland. you need to budget yourself for a small tractor and i don't mean like a uh, something to mow grass with it needs to be something that can pull have a pto on the back and you can so you, you can, can have like a, on the front. a three-point hitch on the back and pull a lawnmower behind you or pull a plow or do stuff because you guys are significantly missing the horsepower required to well in my opinion the horsepower required to maintain an acreage so, so we have uh, we have a weird opportunity with that matt i'm 
glad you brought that up. Um, it, uh, it turns out that a, a friend of ours has, uh, their parents are going to be moving off of their farm and getting rid of a bunch of equipment and their farm is really little. So they have the kind of equipment that we would need for the you know kind of stuff that we're doing, which isn't very much. So I, I'm interested in that. So you think there's like a direct relationship between horsepower and your ability to maintain the land and the tractor has it? Like, why not just a truck? Uh, the, the big thing that's going to get you, that a tractor is going to do that a truck can't is have the front end loader, a, some type of arm on the front of the tractor that's going to allow you to do just about everything you want. If that's going to be loading firewood or pulling posts or scooping up a dead animal or pushing snow, it's the all-in-wonder tool that generally uh, hmm. a tractor of a certain size will have. So that is, that's my opinion of the most convenient use of a tractor outside of the three point hitch and whatever you do in the back. It's that, it's that third arm that you need to do heavy stuff all the time by yourself. So So I I value your opinion, Matt. I do. I value your opinion. Except Uh, it's not valuable enough. And I'm no. And I think 95% of the time is correct. Um, But for us, Scott, um, what I noticed when we were out there, because the snow's melting, and even when you came out, Matt, you saw how soft the ground was where we, where we have our place. Mm-hmm. A tractor is going to destroy that. Like, you wouldn't Not- even need to cut it. It's just going to churn it into mud, which I think is why... Um, now, I haven't had to do this yet, but uh, I think it's why our place was the road was maintained by the old owners with the ride-on tractor, like a ride-on mower. So, yes, I agree. Tractors are hard on stuff, but they have massive tires and they don't weigh near as much as, say, a diesel pickup truck. No, so, my, our quads have, like, even last weekend, they turned like it's a mud bank now. Well, it's because you got your thumb right into the throttle and you got this new high-powered machine. But quads are hard on everything. Wheels coming off of that for sure. This 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 year in April. It's brand new. It's wheels coming off. It's not coming it's off. Brand, it's brand new to you. Yeah. Brand new to me. Okay. It's got a thousand no. so, on it. It's fine. There's no world where you're coming home with all the wheels. We never come home with all the wheels. No, this year's different. Um so I've driven uh the tractor at the the acreage on some sh- very soft soil and it leaves tread marks but it doesn't tear it up. It, it, it dents the land, but that's it where an ATV tends to just straight tear it up. So, so what we tra- do is are you talking that green one, the bigger tractor is the one I'm talking about where it dents the ground, but mm-hmm. doesn't tear it up. If and you're, you haul a lawnmower blade behind it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that lawnmower blade is more than enough power to be able to cut down small trees, like, maintain saplings and stuff that want to grow in your cut lines a ride on lawnmower can be gotten for 1500 bucks yeah but good luck fuck good luck stepping into a tractor for like around 20 now yeah and now 20 is probably yeah 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 so the thing with a ride on mower for us is our little guy like does not want to do anything other than be on a fucking machine yeah. So I'm just going to get on the lawnmower with him <laughs> and a six pack of beer 
and just spend my day driving up and down and he's going to be happier than a fucking clown. And I think that's, it's going to be it. True. So what, so if you cut all these trails and you want to do, you're going to mow them as well, or right. I doubt you'll actually, I, have I don't have a breadth the... of, of content ideas here. So cutting trails, I think we're going to have to, to do an, as, as another episode on. It's not, so not, we're, it's not we're, talking about main, we're talking about maintaining a property. True. So if you had, if you wanted a yard space and somewhere like uh, Scott's possible place and ours is, it's not a gravel road coming in. Uh, it is a, it is a maintained grass road. It's a dirt road. Yeah. Not a gravel, but a dirt road. Not, it's not even dirt. No land, grass road. That's not dirt. Like a dirt road is a dirt road. This is grass. Out here in city country, we have cow land, <laughs> grass roads. Uh, yeah. Matt, I, yeah. Matt, so what I want to ask you is when when this family friend's equipment comes up, we should definitely go try to buy it from them, right? I, w- I would say yes. Generally, I would... I would overall say your your life is going to be beneficial if you own a tractor for right. what you might want to do. Now, family friend deals are generally a lot better than just buying some shit at the auction because you don't really know anything about it. So I'd, I'd step towards that before going to an auction or trying to buy something at the John Deere dealer. But yeah, this, it, this guy's, it depends on what guy's it is. Fussy. He's fussy about his stuff. And, that, you know, those are the best people to buy stuff city, from. So, yeah. Okay, that's good advice. I appreciate that because when it came up, it kind of rang true with us. The place he maintains with it is smaller than the one that we're thinking of buying. So we, you know, we think it's probably right for the amount that we're going to use it. Before we bore people too much, uh, let's talk about a couple of the other things that are super important for owning land if you want to live on it or recreate on it. Uh, And that is power and water. Well, I was going to say have lots of money. And we talk about that. You just, if you, no, you just need lots of money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that solves power and water. So I guess, uh, yeah. That next time done. Uh, yeah. great. Money. So, so, so Darren, over money. You cut trails money. Right. So Darren, you have a, a pre-drilled well of what depth is it? Oh, fuck. This one's beauty. Uh, I think we're pushing 300 feet. That's, yeah. So that's super deep. Super deep, um, but the water is uh, aside from a slight sulfur smell. Um, so one thing when you get it, you should get it tested. You can take a sample to your nearest large town, and they have labs, and they'll run E. coli and all that kind of shit on it. Um, ours came back clean, <laughs> so we th- we just throw ours into a, a Brita, and uh, it tastes better than bottled water you can get. But I know the guy, the neighbor down the road, his is only about 150. And the average, I think, for Alberta is in the 150 to 180 range of yeah. depth. But those you're looking at well, what, what do you figure, 12? 12 grand to drill a well? It's, yeah, it's a certain number of dollars per foot. And that, like, hopefully they've done their due diligence and you lock out and they hit water. Because um, if they don't, then it's just another 12 grand so yeah we uh, we, had, we just the place that we're looking at is a six inch 300 foot well drilled into it it's crazy 
Yeah, it's about what ours is. So my mom just punched a well at her place down to 150 feet, and it was eight grand uh, as of fall of 2021. So pretty okay. current pricing. Uh, that does not include a pump or electricity or anything else. That's a that's a hole in the ground that has casing. And for context, uh, a well pump because we had to replace ours in BC was about twelve to fifteen hundred bucks. Was that all? I thought it was more. Yeah, to get you about a hundred and some feet or yards meters. At your cabin uh, in the cusp. Yeah, a hundred meters easy. Yeah, so you'd probably want about the same same pump. So you're looking about fifteen hundred bucks for a pump, and then you got to run power to it somehow. And you got to have a tank inside. You got to have a holding tank. Well, that's so. The, yeah, that's the other thing. If you want to plumb your cabin, so our cabin is not plumbed. We just get our water from the well, which is a straight discharge right out of the well itself into a and bucket. Not uh, unlike my ass. <laughs> when I eat any food because I also am over 40 and that's how that works. So yeah, we, you flip the switch on, shoots water out, you turn it off. Um, But inside you need to get a pressure tank and then that fills it up and it'll turn the the pump off. So it doesn't burn itself out. So a friend of mine told me that the price of installing power and pressure tank and all the other doodads is about equal to the cost of drilling a pump. So if you are, sorry, drilling the well, if you punched an $8,000 well, you would budget about eight grand to put in all of that extra, the, the power, the, the pressure switches, all that shite. So 16,000 bucks just for basic water service. Yeah. And then you get to go through the other fun of, of having a utility bill all year round just to heat and keep that water liquid. Yeah, if you're there or not. Yeah, like we we keep our place uh, in the cusp at about ten degrees, I think, in the winter. So that's the other thing you got to run heat tape down your pump well and your line so that you can get water out of it in the winter. Yay! So being off the grid's a real pain in the ass. Pardon? Yeah. So being being off the grid's a huge pain in the ass. It's It's a hard life, but it's a good life. I think it's oh same. settler life. Oh settler life. Living I'd to much the rather... old age of died at childbirth. <laughs> I think I'd much rather pay for electricity than have to go chip water out of a creek to scoop water up. <laughs> every <laughs> every yes. day. Fuck yes. So oh, now that you brought it up, electricity is a great one. So Scott, the place you're looking at is run on a generator. Has generator, no batteries. Yeah, so that's that's an option is you run a gas or diesel generator. Uh, you can run solar, but the cost of putting in solar is not cheap. It's not as bad as it used to be, actually. I've been looking into it. But it's still not cheap. No, it's not cheap. But here, here's the, the thing about it is that it's way cheaper than you think. And we're not talking about trying to power a house with air conditioning. We're talking about a place that has like a couple of plugs, a couple of lights, and uh fridge a fridge Fridge and that's where things get complicated but those little under the bar fridges that you buy or your apartment fridges that you buy at costco those little dandy jobs they have really low wattage so if you're in a small cabin like the one that's on the place that we're looking at then 
solar is viable if you have batteries. Otherwise, you have to have a really big solar array. And those, yeah. that's when it starts to get expensive. And if you want power, power, there's a reason when you look at like big plots of land, everyone's places, their residents are right on the road. Yeah, because at least power here, ten to twelve thousand dollars a pole to put power. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Your I mean, it makes sense when you start to think about the logistics of one of those things. What they have to like those things have to sit up there in the wind and not tip over and deal yeah. with like frozen thawed ground every single year and animals running around on them and like those things are they have a purpose. Yeah. So it makes sense that they're expensive, but you never think about how expensive they are until you like until you, you need it. Until you have a cabin at the end of this long ass lane, like you do. So Smart, at the at the cost of ten to twelve k pole, does that include? Is that the the total rate of running power? And every pole adds ten grand. That's my it's, it's not yeah. it's not ten grand to put a pole in, and then you have to string copper on top. Of no, that's that's strong. It's as as Darren ready to use. It. Yeah. So here's the thing, like when you own land like that, though, it's, I think now people are realizing the value of it. Whereas there was a time when people, I think when people settled, they realized the value of land. And then we industrialized more and became more city dwellers. And then this pandemic happened to people like Jesus fucking Christ, my 600 square foot apartment is basically a prison. People in prison have it better than I do. And uh, started looking at doing more camping and doing stuff like that. And then you realize, at least in, like, BC is totally different. But in Alberta, how little recreation space there is once everyone starts doing it. Like, when you're at, like, six months, you have to think ahead to book a campsite. A campsite that's next to somebody else. Like, eyeball shot next to somebody else. And hiking trails that are treacherous and people were like, these are expert trails. Now have 20 minute lineups on them. Yeah. To go hiking in what used to be the open mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Like that you take for granted. Like, yeah, we've talked a lot about like, oh, it's just a fucking, it just sounds like you have to be a billionaire and it's just money here and money there. But at the grand scheme of things in in 20 years, like how, how much are your kids going to be able to go hiking? and explore the wilderness truly before there's like another cottage country out there or you're right you're right about that that's expansion always works that way but also every time there's inflation money piles into property that's like an economic reality it's the best place to put money is land in an inflationary environment it's one thing they don't make more of except hawaii why is slowly making more <laughs> land? Yeah, we keep making more land. I think that's a that's a horseshit statement. We make we make more land because we, as a species, are able to live on more land than we should be able to. There shouldn't be anything on Antarctica, but we like we legit live there. You know, I, I'd argue those that people parts are... of Calgary shouldn't be lived in, and we live in them. Fair enough. It's cold here. Yeah. yeah, why why do we live someplace where the air hurts my face? Yeah, I used to I used to when I used to smoke cigarettes, I, I used to go outside with this dude named Dave at work. And Dave said to me one time we were out having a cigarette, it was fucking cold. It was like, 
you know, the snot in your nose freezes as soon as you breathe in cold. And we're like, we're dressed for, for like office work. So we were really freezing our asses off having these cigarettes. And Dave looks at me and goes, why did we put a fucking country here? And I had never really thought of it that way before, but I'm like, yeah, this does seem like a, like a terrible spot to settle. But well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why you live somewhere where the air hurts your face. <laughs> because if you go east, the air hurts your bones. Oh my God. Humidity plus cold. You're right. You're right. I take it back. That's the fucking so like You're like, Jesus winter. Christ, it's cold. And you like get into a house and you're like, Jesus, I'm fine. But out east, it's like, oh my God, my whole body's cold. And you get into a house and you're like, God, God, my whole body's cold. And then two hours later, you're like, I'm still kind of cold. The one thing I will say is the best part about living in a cold place like this is I can climb underneath my deck or into a wood pile any time of day, any time of year. And I don't give a damn what lives in there because there is nothing in that Ooh. pile that's going to hurt me. That's true. Creep me out other than the old spider. Uh, Not here. Yeah, you saw those orb spinners moving into the East Coast, didn't you, Northcott? I'm just going to say hornets. Hornets and wasps. Yeah, the yeah, wasp well, situation. It's not my fetish. No. But yeah, they, I agree. They For suck, the most but... part, nothing's going to lay eggs in your fucking urine stream. Or, uh, <laughs> but like, how many, how many types of deadly snakes do we have living around us that One. we're going to house underneath your, your deck? And you have to be concerned when you poke your hand out of there reaching for your kid's ball. We had, then, a, we had it's funny, under our deck last year we had a we had a snake. We had a garter snake. Yeah, it was just it was hanging out. That's all I got. That was Yeah. Super No, no, it's awkward. Yeah. So, so all of our listeners our that. listeners learned today that that they shouldn't try to move out into the country because we because it's crowded in provincial parks. But you shouldn't. You still shouldn't try to move out to the country with us because it's expensive and cold. That's what we told them today. Uh, I just yeah. think that the value is there, though. I think that it is there. it's it's worth it, and it's worth getting back. And I think this is kind of what our whole thing is going to be about. It's just it's worth getting back to some of the shit people don't do anymore, and they like should spend two hours a day getting getting firewood. They should do that. I agree with you. Firewood, the only thing that warms you twice. <laughs> <laughs> fuck i hope you added that oh, that's awful <laughs> uh it's gonna stand now i think yeah <laughs> um yeah i think it's worth having rural land for sure um or at least like if you don't buy land at least go enjoy it airbnb it from someone or uh I have a f- my friend said it to me good when when i was telling him about this deal that we're trying to put together for this for this land he said uh, he said, oh, I've always wanted to do that too. And I said, what, what's that? He goes, have my own private provincial park. Yes. yes. I am. I'm a, is it, are you rubbing the blue buck? It's trying to saw its head off with my dull finger. I thought we were going to get like a thing where like rubbing the, can that be a thing for something? Rubbing the blue buck. What are you doing today? Just rubbing the blue buck. Yeah, that sounds, <laughs> yeah. Sounds exactly no. like how it sounds. No. Yeah, no, if if I said that, I wouldn't be allowed to talk to you guys anymore. Yeah, I rubbed the blue back out. <laughs> I think on that note, we can probably call this one a, a successful wrap. Uh, well, it's a wrap at least. 
What's the temperature in your in your sauna now? <laughs> We're down, down to twenty four. <laughs> oh, is, is that it? <laughs> you way overplanned for that. Oh it's my god! I'm doing it's, okay it's, though. It's like fifteen degrees outside, so you didn't preheat your your garage in the in the middle of winter for me when I was trying to talk to you. No, and well, that's why because last time I was like, oh yeah, I'll be fine, and then it kicked on. You're like, I can't hear you, and then I started putting elk leather and wolf skin on. Because apparently I live in the barbaric ages, but I was like, fuck, I'm not doing that again. I, I just went, I was overzealous, over, yeah. overplanned, <laughs> but it's okay. I'm, I'm comfortable that, now. All that carbon tax you just paid to heat your garage. It does smell like carbon. It smells like pennies. Yeah. dollar in here. Oh, that's, yeah, you're done for about, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So what did we learn? We learned that Scott needs to buy a canoe. I learned that Matt only has uh, one shirt. Hey, that's a good shirt. And uh, I don't know how a thermostat works. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I think we'll uh, say goodbye to nobody. And goodbye, nobody. It's been a it's been a slice. Talk to you guys later. See you. See you soon, fellas. Hey, nobody. Don't forget to stalk us on YouTube, Instagram, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The information and opinions within this broadcast are those solely of three guys who barely know how to tie their shoes, let alone do anything functional in the real world. They are not to be taken as advice or as actual instruction on how to do anything we've mentioned ever. That is the end of this disclaimer.